0: Welcome to my mommy's podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. They're on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet, and they're doing just that with their clean, natural remedies. They have a whole hive of products packed with immune-loving essentials so you can feel awesome all day, every day. One of the ones that I love, especially this time of year, is called Bee Soothed helps you feel like yourself again if you get into any of the winter yuckies. And it's powered by really potent natural ingredients like pure buckwheat honey, elderberry, chaga mushroom, bee propolis and olive leaf extract. It's completely free of drugs, dyes, dirty chemicals and refined sugars. So you can feel great about taking it or giving it to your kids. And the best part is it tastes really good. So there's no fight with the kids and none of that nasty artificial cough syrup flavor we all grew up with. You can take it anytime you're feeling run down to soothe your throat and promote fast recovery or use it as a general immune support. When you're ready to upgrade, reset, and jumpstart your resolutions, check out Beekeepers Naturals and discover all of their clean remedies that your family will love. You can save 15% on your first order by going to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash Mama. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash wellness mama to save 15%. This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. They are my go-to source for grass fed probiotic rich beef sticks. And now some of my favorite supplements as well. I always keep their beef sticks on hand for my kids and for me for snacks. And now I make sure that we're never without their vitamin C complex as well. It's made with three of their most concentrated natural sources of vitamin C amla berry, kamu kamu berry, and unripe acerola cherry. Each nutrient-packed serving delivers 750% of your daily recommended intake of vitamin C from food sources. This amount is meant to help you thrive, not just survive with the recommended minimum. Most other vitamin C supplements are derived from GMO corn and only contain one fraction of the vitamin, ascorbic acid. Their essential C complex contains the entire spectrum of vitamin C with absolutely no synthetic vitamin C at all, just organic food-based superfoods. Check it out and check out all of their products. Save 15% on all of them by going to paleovalley.com mama. Again, that's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y com slash mama, M-A-M-A, to save a 15%. Welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end. This episode goes deep on a fascinating topic I've been doing a lot of research on lately, which is ozone. But there's a lot to understand about this and a lot that is important to know before you just jump in and try it. I'm here with Dr. Ian Mitchell, who is an expert in the field of ozone and many other topics, so I'm definitely going to have him on again. But in this episode, we dive deep on some of the misconceptions related to ozone, what is the best way to get and make use of this, what are some of the common use cases, and what are the cautions and things that you need to avoid if you're going to use ozone. We talk especially about a really cutting-edge product called Biocharged that allows you to ingest ozone orally and get a lot of the same benefits that you would get from using ozone in the blood. We go deep on what that means and how it benefits you in this episode. But if you want to just check out the product, you can check it out at biocharged.co forward slash wellnessmama. So that's biocharge dot C-O slash mama. Um, you can check it all out there, but really excited to share this and future episodes with Ian Mitchell with you. Hi, and welcome. Thanks for being here.
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm really excited to chat with you. You're a new friend. We got to meet yesterday and already have multiple podcasts planned because we already have so many topics to chat about. But the one to talk about today that I'm really excited personally to learn more about is the idea of ozone. So something I've experimented with a little bit myself, but I don't have a whole lot of understanding beyond just my own experimentation. So to start, can you take us broad first and explain what ozone is?
1: Sure. So ozone is O3. So it's three oxygen atoms grouped together in a molecule and it's super highly reactive. That's why most people think of it kind of in a negative context of things like ozone action days and that sort of stuff. And and that's because it's effectively it's nature's disinfectant, and it is very reactive, and it'll knock out you know fungal things and bacterial things very very effectively, more more so than almost anything else. And in terms of reactivity, it's um, about the third most reactive molecular species. So you'll have about a hundred million interactions in a second. And in the context of how it applies to physiology. Uh, there's a tremendous body of work, you know, thousands of articles that are all peer-reviewed, both nationally and internationally, just very demonstrably showing the effects of using rectal ozone when you do rectal insufflation. Ozone autohemotherapy. There's actually bubbling ozone through water. There's there's a whole lot of methodologies to actually use it. Uh, The one that that I've been the most focused on is using it with oils. Uh, And so you take you take a lipid a lipid or uh, you know a triglycerol fatty acid and you bubble it through. So in the case of what we were working with, we've worked with olive oil and sunflower oil. And a lot of people, what we ended up using was sunflower oil because you can. Utilize um, more ozonides, which is what you end up with, which is not something that's detrimental to your body, but it's beneficial because in the in the form of the the capsules that we made at Biocharged, um, you don't actually have any ozone remaining in the capsules. So you you start with something that's very reactive, then you react it through another medium, in this case, an oil. And then at the end of that, it's, it's done a triple pass redox reaction, which is a, just a reduction oxidation reaction. And you're left with something that is a signaling molecule. So the ozonides, when you take them into your bodies, they, they work effectively as signaling molecules. So it sets up a cascade for a, a hormetic response. And just the idea being that you use something that creates a pro-oxidative insult in your body and your body responds and says oh my gosh we're under attack stop this and it so it mobilizes and it upregulates its mitochondrial function and then it produces things like superoxide dismutase and glutathione to mobilize the innate immune system to deal with any insult that's been created so kind of broad spectrum what we've been doing is taking something that's very ubiquitous and people have used for a long time but reimagined it in a way that we could elicit the same response that people do with autohemotherapy um, which is where you you pull your blood and then you mix it with ozone gas the ozone reacts in your blood and then you push it back in and you use the ozonides in your blood but it's it's kind of a cumbersome process and it's more expensive. Um, And it's not something you'd want to do every day. So (laughs) what I was tasked with was, is it possible to do autohemotherapy in a pill? And initially, I thought uh, that's really kind of a difficult thing, but I I like crazy puzzles. So I I signed up and said, yeah, I'll try and figure it out. If it's possible, I'll I'll figure it out. So that kind of started this big process where I went back and researched ozone and then researched researched ozonated oils to see what sort of bridge I could we could come up with to get from the standpoint of just having an ozonated oil and using it to replace autohemotherapy if possible. And that brings us to where we are now.
0: So fascinating. And so many different angles we can go from there. So people can understand if they're not familiar with ozone at all, what would be some of the reasons someone might use autohemotherapy or ozone in other ways, like rectal insufflation, for instance? What would they use that for?
1: Uh, well, the the biggies are if you have uh, any sort of infection, like parasitic infections, viral infections. Uh, it's incredibly effective against Giardia parasites, which are truly very difficult to get rid of. Um, the medications are not not terribly easy to take. Um, my mom actually had an infection uh, about a year ago and. The GRD was very difficult, and unfortunately, it was before I had worked on this project. Otherwise, it would have been a quick three-day fix. But as it stands, she took the regular medication that was prescribed, and it was just kind of a difficult and longer process. You'd use it if you have candida or something like that. In fact, that's, that's one of the things that the oils we found has been most beneficial for working on is people with candida infections whose intestinal flora is a little off kilter the biggest effect personally that i've seen is it knocks out sugar cravings and my 14 year old when i started working on this and after i had it really pegged in um he was 14 and he was taking it and he's 15 now but we were uh working on this thing for quite a while and and he stopped having sugar cravings and he was gleeful actually, because he was, he's at the age where hormones kicked in and he was trying to get fit and, you know, <laughs> do do all of the things that a young social creature does. And, uh, it was really good for him. I think, I think it actually worked very well for him. And, and I had the same experience that I just didn't really want it. And I think that's primarily because when it goes into your GI tract, it rebalances your intestinal flora and your, and it, that's a bit of a misnomer to say that it does it what it actually does is again it provides a signal and then your body actually does the work the the trick is to provide enough of a signal and in the the old school methods of actually using ozone and putting it in a bag and then you know doing it rectally or taking it literally there are quite a few ways you can do it Um, you can do it transvaginally rectally you can actually some people use it in their ears other people will bubble it through water and drink the water some people bubble it through oil and then inhale it which is in my opinion that's probably the the most dicey of the whole bunch because it doesn't really do well with mucous membranes so uh, taking it in in some capacity that's going to get in your lungs is not good which is hence you know why people have ozone action days. You really do not want to be breathing ozone. It's a great therapeutic tool if used properly. And that's, that's why we kind of targeted in on How do we do this for people in a beneficial way and, you know, take out infections and rebalance gut flora and upregulate mitochondrial function? Because one of the things that people notice after you've taken this is you you get almost kind of a niacin flush as if you'd, you know, taken a big shot of niacin um, because your mitochondria upregulate. And so you start pumping out ATP and you feel it as kind of a thermal heat uh, shift.
0: Okay, I'm really glad you brought up, like, if you inhale it, because I think in some ways I've seen sources where ozone's gotten a bad rap, and it's because of that. So can you explain a little bit in more detail of why it's not necessarily beneficial and can be harmful if inhaled, but it can be so beneficial if it's taken in other ways?
1: Yeah. So effectively, if you burn something, you're oxidizing it, right? Burning is a, like a rapid sort of electrochemical oxidation. And you're all you're doing is you're stripping electrons off using the oxygen and, and breaking it down. And if you inhale ozone, because it has that unstable configuration, you literally will chemically burn your lungs and it will, your lungs really are a very thin layer. Um, So, you know, you have a one cell thick layer uh, throughout your lungs. And if you cook that, uh, the repercussions are really harsh. And so in that sense, ozone is very harmful, but it's kind of like, there are so many compounds that I can think of that taken in and of themselves in one way. They're very detrimental. But if you use them as a tool, they're incredibly beneficial. I mean, you can you can hit someone with a hammer or you can use it to assemble th- something very well. And this this is the same sort of principle. You're just using something that provides a, a chemical impetus to elicit a specific response and put something else in a medium that you can actually use for your benefit. So it, it really works out so that ozone you really do kind of want to avoid in in the sense of something to breathe but rectally it works pretty well again it's a little bit invasive for most people i i think that's never going to be something that's ubiquitous and you know embraced by the masses because not everybody wants to sit with a bag and you know slowly push ozone into themselves and that's why i think you know, what we did at BioCharge is really aces because you can literally get the same effects just with taking one pill. And it's not even something that you you really should think about taking permanently. Like people have been asking me since we put the product out, do you take it every day? yeah initially you do but the first bottle it's a about a two-month supply and it's something that you just you'll take it as needed and if you have really bad intestinal flora or horribly bad parasitic sort of infections you're going to want to go slowly because you don't want to trigger a herxing reaction where you have a herxheimer because the die-off is so intense that that can actually cause problems so you want to kind of taper it off but You'll want to take generally one of the capsules just to stimulate the beneficial effects, but only for a couple months and then do it maybe as a maintenance thing, you know, once every couple of days. It's just most of the the projects that I work on, I really like solving puzzles that are going to benefit people biologically, but very rarely do you find things that you want to do permanently. Like even the things that I'm, you know, very well versed in and have a lot of patents on, like, you know, carbon 60 nanoparticulate and things like that um those are phenomenally good very strong antioxidants you can extend longevity of lots of things i you know i told you that like my lab animals i got a 93 percent extension in their lifespan uh, which was incredible and we were all surprised but even that it's not something you want to do every day because your body is so brilliant and so adaptive that if you do something consistently very frequently I see things like that become a detriment because your body adapts to it. If you constantly take a a supply of exogenous antioxidants and you're just popping pills all the time, well, your body being efficient goes, "Ah, I don't need to produce as much. And then so the moment you stop taking them... He, your body effectively is going into withdrawal because it stopped producing what it should be producing. So the projects I like to do are things where I'll solve some sort of puzzle that's been around for a while that benefits people, but it's not something that they have to stay locked into forever. It's something that if you sporadically augment your own physiology, but isn't something that's you know necessary to take forever. I, it's just a personal philosophy thing, but philosophically, I don't think you should really have to take supplements forever.
0: I fully agree. In fact, listeners might have heard me say before, there's no nothing I take every single day, including food. I go without eating regularly, fasting yeah, in different forms, right. and supplements, I'll rotate them, or even if it's something I'm taking regularly, I won't take it on the weekend mm-hmm. for that same reason of just, I don't want my body to ever adapt to having an external source of anything over the long term. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, it's funny because when you put it in terms like that, it makes me think about like working out. If you told somebody, okay, you're going to do the same exercise every day for the next 20 years- anyone who's ever exercised a lick knows like, oh, you have to change it up because your body adapts so rapidly. I mean, with the things you're doing, like the pole vaulting, right? That are super intense, like very, very tremendous burst of energy where you have to have huge output. You have to change up your training, you know, because otherwise your body will adapt. And I mean, you're, aren't you constantly changing your regime every couple of weeks?
0: Yeah, and it's been really fascinating. I felt like I've learned a lot from that in, that I'm translating to other areas of my life because like you said, it's extremely explosive, powerful movement and we change our training every two weeks into a different phase that stimulates muscles in a different way. So at first it was just purely aerobic, contralateral movements and then it worked all the way up into now these super heavy weights moving to max or above your max but doing it very slowly or only in one direction or oscillating and all those things like basically every two weeks, it's a totally different program because the muscles will adapt if you let them.
1: Yeah. That that kind of an approach always makes sense to me. And and that's kind of what I've adopted for, you know, developing supplements to help people is I don't want to make them dependent. Like you asked me about the uh, the, the product for hair, like, is it something that people have to take? And um, that's a, you know, I'm sure we'll cover that, you know, at some point in the next one. But no, I the idea is not that you keep people hooked on a medication. I I am legitimately about cures, not about customers, you know. I mean, the idea is it's nice that people use the things you've made and want to support you, but the idea is if it's something where a person has a physiological need, help them, fix it, and then, you know, go about doing another thing. And there's, there's an infinite amount of things that you can help people with. I don't really like the, uh, the, the big pharma approach of, you know, we don't want cures, we want customers. I think that's something that I personally am completely diametrically opposed to. That's just like antithetical to how I roll.
0: I fully agree. And so I know people listening, we may end up with some questions. You mentioned it's a signaling mechanism in the Mm -hmm. gut and that it can address some pretty profound things like candida and parasites and gut infections. Um, I know people are going to probably ask, is is there a danger of it harming beneficial bacteria can it throw flora out of balance in that way or is, it, is there a different pathway with the signaling
1: well actually that's that's the thing that's neat because if you use ozone directly yeah you can throw things out of kilter and the reason is because you're basically you're you're waiting for things to interact based on their their own intrinsic ionic nature so just whether they're positively or negatively charged and most bacteria that are harmful or parasites that are harmful are predominantly oriented one way, but not all of them. So if you just go in and you smart bomb it with something that has one charge, yeah, you're going to damage good things. So that's why I prefer not using ozone directly, but doing it through an indirect signaling mechanism. Because then you're kind of giving you're giving your body this huge boost so it upregulates the mitochondrial function and then starts producing things to mount its own immune response. So you've basically you've provided Energy for the systems that are already intelligently combating and know what to combat the different things in your GI tract. So, no, you don't. If you use something that's a signaling molecule, it sets up a, a cascade and it will act accordingly based on what your body actually needs to be balanced in lieu of just going in and chemically. Uh, or in this case, ionically wiping out, you know, just with reckless abandon, whatever's there. Because that's kind of, that's just a, it's like a carpet bombing approach. It doesn't, it doesn't really work. I mean, you, you do actually, again, not to bag on big pharma because pharmaceutical approaches in a lot of ways, there's some great products, but it's a little bit obtuse to think that you can go in and just have a one size fits all solution for something like that. Your, your body is actually incredibly intelligent and it's well-tooled after, you know, so much time to know what it needs and how to function. I mean, that's why we have food cravings. That's, you know, not in all cases a lot of times unfortunately, it's, you know, parasites kind of running the show or bacteria running the show and giving you a signal like, ah, more sugar. Um, but generally speaking, your your body knows what it needs, you know. And so this just provides it with the tools to act on those things more effectively. In fact, it's it's a little interesting because normally if you look at just a standard ozonated oil they've they've been around since uh, 1904 and i was telling you that nikola tesla was the the fella who actually came up with it and started selling it and people have been doing it for the past century but nobody did it the way that tesla did it because they Honestly, I think they just missed it. He had this, you know, elaborate array of magnetic field beds, and then he would put all of his oils in them and bubble ozone through to create his Tesla's ozonated oil. And what you're doing is you have a polar, which is just a a molecule that has a charge. And because of that charge, it'll have an orientation. Um, He would use those magnetic lines of force to orient it so you could get the highest strength in whatever unit volume you had. And literally everybody for the past hundred years has been like, ah, you just bubble ozone through oil and ah, it's all good, which it, you know completely misses the point anytime you find somebody who's that brilliant if they're taking three times as long and potentially three times as much of an expenditure capitally to get something made there's probably a reason you know it's it's not just that they want to lose money um, and take a lot more time to get something to the people so when i when I looked at all of the the work that had been done in the past hundred years and then i kind of figured out what he had been doing, I thought, oh my God, this is brilliant. He got a stronger signal. But so at first I just kind of recreated what he had done, but then I thought, well, you know, we've had a hundred years of tech and there have been a lot of advancements. What would Tesla do if he had access to all of the equipment and the tools and a hundred years of new physics knowledge? (laughs) So, So I completely rejiggered it so I could give it a stronger signal. So he used to do this thing where per unit volume, there were more active ozonides. I actually took the molecule and upped the volume. So it's kind of as literally as if you had the same song, but you crank the volume up. So the, the net effect there is you take a, a third of a milliliter, you know, a 300 milligram capsule, and it gives you this incredibly pronounced effect because your body thinks that it's had this huge oxidative insult, but it's actually just a very, very little one, but it was just quite noisy.
0: That's so fascinating. And is that, so it addresses bacteria and parasites, which Mm -hmm. you mentioned, I love that you brought that up, that those can often be the reason for food cravings. Yeah. Is that the mechanism by which it's reducing sugar cravings? And I know it's also used for weight loss. Is that what's happening? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So when you knock out your cravings, yeah, I mean, really, ultimately that stuff is going to, the, the, the viruses and bacteria and parasites, all those things that cause you to do something um, and elicit a specific behavior, it's almost always to create an environment that's more conducive for their growth, right? (laughs) And so in the case of like Candida, where you want more sugar or something like that, you get those cravings because that just creates a better environment for them to grow and thrive. And all this does is squelches that. It knocks that out. And that's why the sugar cravings go away. And that's why you want to eat less. Ultimately it regulates your ghrelin and leptin levels. But it does that by virtue of just taking away the um, the signal to crave those things that some harmful bacteria had been giving you. So yeah, you eliminate the the root cause of the problem, and then you get all of the the benefits of it downstream.
0: Which also seems a lot easier than trying to strictly battle sugar cravings, oh which God. anybody who's ever done it knows <laughs> yeah, is awful. For real.
1: Like how. Honestly, how can you do that? I mean, we are wired that when you get those signals, right, unless you're affecting your ghrelin and leptin levels, you're going to want to eat and it's, you know, the brownie will be calling, you know, (laughs) it's just try avoiding that, you know.
0: Absolutely. That's so interesting. Um, I wonder, too, is there a crossover effect with this? Obviously, one of the themes in health and wellness the last few years is how much goes back to gut health. So do people see crossover effect into things like autoimmunity or eczema? I know there's so many things that often get tied to the gut. And if you dress the gut, you see benefit in other places.
1: There, there are Actually, there are a lot of studies. I don't feel comfortable addressing it specifically with um, the biocharge product just because we haven't had enough time we've been we've seen things uh, regarding candida and a bunch of other stuff but so I'd I'd feel more comfortable looking at a lot of the peer-reviewed studies that have been published over the past couple of decades because they're they're all over the world and yeah there are a lot of crossovers actually the the reference that I would look up or your, you know your, your gang should look up is probably there's a, a doctor named Sylvia Menendez and she's based in Cuba she does work all over the world but she's one of the preeminent people you know and who's all about ozone and it's because in Cuba just out of necessity they developed a lot of products using natural substances that they had access to because they were cut off from a lot of the rest of the world and so they did a tremendously in-depth study and have, you know, huge reams of data. And also a fellow named Valio Bocci, who was a doctor in Italy, put together a tremendous body of work on the same and has, you know, a, a very large tome about ozone and all the effects, and it's very well uh, referenced um, and, you know, the, if you go through it, you can, you can find a litany of information there. So, yeah, tons of crossover effects. But for anybody who's looking, just Google it. You know, I mean, there's, you can find just reams and reams and reams of data on it.
0: Okay. Um, who are you finding are, are using this the most right now? Because I know we're also going to get all the follow-up questions. Are, you know, can pregnant women use this? Can nursing women use this? What about kids? What age?
1: Well, I, yeah. <laughs> given given the, uh, the strict requirements of the FDA to not be able to say it does treats, prevents, cures, or does anything, you, you have to avoid that like the plague. So I don't know that I can say anything specifically. We, we actually, matter of fact, we don't recommend it for pregnant nursing women or kids, but that's standard across the board. Now, um, personally, I might do something different, but that's, that's my own educated opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so, though I can't really recommend it, I would say just literally f- for listeners who are curious about that stuff, look up the data. There's huge forums where people are talking about it, and um, you can find, you know, chat groups about it and so many people are open and willing to share right now to your question uh a lot of the people that are doing it are kind of like you know cutting edge biohackers and things like that you know people who do the same thing you and i do where we do a lot of self-experimentation uh, my friend dave asprey with uh, with bulletproof he does it Todd Shipman, Biohacker Todd. Todd takes it. Uh, there's a lot of guys. It's, it's it's actually all of us, I think, had done it before just in its standard form of like some type of ozone therapy. But, oh, my God, this is so much easier. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of ozone therapies, but now I probably will not go back and do them unless there's some very specific thing I need to do because it's so much easier just to do it, you know, pop a capsule, call it good, roll on and and it's also it's it's a special type of capsule because initially when i was doing the testing I was looking at how everything responded and uh, when we were talking back and forth at the company about how to how to get the best delivery what would actually have the best results we ended up using um, a timed release so it's it's like a, a delayed release capsule and the reason for that is you don't necessarily want it to crack open in your GI tract because acids will break it down or not so much in your GI tract and your gut and your stomach specifically you want it to really kind of open in your small intestine because that way it's it's gonna permeate and get into your bloodstream. And so that's what you're really shooting for is to get it systemically through your body.
0: Got it. Yeah. Anybody listening who's asked me questions related to pregnancy or nursing, I have to give the same advice because the rules are so strict. Even if you ask me if you can eat a salad during pregnancy... I have to tell you ask your doctor or your midwife like yeah truly there's nothing related to those because there's not studies done on pregnant women so i think that was a perfect answer i'm sure a frustrating one and
1: yeah i hate saying that but you know people don't realize it but you know the the cost of getting a drug approved is prohibitively expensive i think most drug companies find you know guys like me with a research facility where we do things and we'll develop products and then they they just come in and buy it and then they push it through as some sort of drug on the other end knowing full well that you know we will have to release something as a supplement and can't make claims about it um, for f- for fear of you know hardcore retribution or reprisal from you know from the powers that be but i actually asked someone earlier today like what do you think the cost of getting a new drug as or getting a new drug to market is and they said well probably i don't know 10 million dollars and i said no it's over a billion dollars that's the average cost to take a drug for humans to market you know for animals you can do it for about 50 million dollars but the cost is over a billion dollars. And so it's effecti- effectively kind of regulatory gatekeeping because I don't know about you, but I don't have a spare thro- billion dollars to throw around at getting something pushed through.
0: <laughs> no <laughs> kidding, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just the, the barrier to entry is so high that you have people who are producing really brilliant stuff for people that, that could be used across the board to treat Lots of things. And you will probably never hear a commercial for it, just because it's either A, something that they have a difficult time patenting, um, or B, just because they simply don't have the financial resources to do it, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Or I hear people say often, you know, like there's not a double blind clinical study on this. So therefore, I'm not going to take it. And I think back to the sepsis studies that were done in some of the ERs where doctors found like they could take sepsis rates down to like death rates from sepsis down 40% of what they were. But yet, like so many hospitals were hesitant to come on board with it because they're like, well, there's not clinical research on this. And he's like, yeah, but in our ER, Fewer people are dying, and it's vitamin C. There's also not a lot of financial incentive because it's vitamin C.
1: And and that's actually, I think, the the bigger issue there. Really, is unfortunately, it's the financial incentive in a lot of cases. If you can't patent it, because I've I've seen other things like DMSO and things like that, where it's I think DMSO has one uh, approval for if memory serves, uh, interstitial cystitis, but otherwise it's not approved but it has it's you know old school horse liniment it's got a tremendous amount of uses you know i keep it at the house because if you work out and if you pull a muscle like i pulled my hamstrings open the dmso slathered the dmso instantly tasted garlic bruising goes away swelling comes out you feel good again and you can move that's amazing i mean it's an amazing compound but they couldn't patent it and get it pushed through as something they th- you know, they could get exclusivity to. So research kind of died on the vine and also the double blind clinical studies, because it makes you taste garlic instantly. It's hard to fake that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be an issue. I think my, the last couple of years, one of the big lessons for me has been like, we know now more and more health is so personalized and everybody reacts differently to so many different things. Um, but what I've really come to realize is at the end of the day, and I've said this before, we are each our own primary healthcare provider. I feel like I had tried so many different systems and they never worked exactly the same way for me. And the, the reason was I had to figure it out myself. And I think when you make that mental switch into I am the one totally in charge of my health and I can work with practitioners who could help me, but the responsibility lies with me. It lets you step into a place of being mentally willing to try some of these things and it, that you know anecdotally have evidence or that other people you know have tried and that you've seen effects from and gauge that response in yourself without needing the clinical studies or.
1: Yeah. But, it you know, again, there, most people I think are geared towards wanting to receive permission to do something in lieu of actually taking the responsibility to go, okay, and I know you've done this because when we talk, you are incredibly well-versed in so many of these things that you have obviously taken the time to do the research and you really do the deep dive and figure out what's going on. And anytime you're dealing with your health, I, I assure you, no doctor, unless they're married to you or, or you're, relation you know like your parent or something is going to be as concerned with your well-being as you are and you know that's it's not so much that i i don't believe you know in the hippocratic oath i, I get it but i really do think your health is more important to you but you it's a responsibility right you've been gifted with this amazing body and i i honestly I, as a researcher i don't know how anybody who does research on, you know, physiology of any sort of animal can look at it and not be just in awe of this. I mean, it's a huge gift, but it's, you know, with any gift, there comes a responsibility. So yeah, I totally agree with that. You've got to take, take the reins, be your own primary care provider. That's such a good way. I'm going to completely rip that off. That's a (laughs) great way to say that you are your own primary care provider. Yeah. I 1000% agree with you.
0: The funny part is I've started listing myself as that on medical forms, and I now can <laughs> walk into labs and they'll let me order my own labs because I'm my own primary healthcare provider. It's funny.
1: That's genius.
0: <laughs> and Okay, so circling back to ozone, I just started taking this. I'm really excited to, to gauge the results myself because I have the old school ozone generator that you mm-hmm. mentioned. I actually have two. I have this really big one that involves the whole oxygen generator yeah. plus the ozone, and then I have a smaller one that we mostly just use to keep our cold plunge clean because mm-hmm. it just generates it in the water sure and those are great but both of them are so like there's so many pe- moving pieces and getting it all figured out plus it's um like you said you don't want to accidentally inhale it either
1: yeah no you don't and it, for anybody when we were playing with this last year in the lab and really tinkering with ozone because um, I've, I've played with it uh, at a friend's office before you know he's a medical guy and we've played with it at his office because he has a couple of systems and then I got three systems and started working with it and it's really it's really cool but yeah you do not want to breathe it one of them was a very large generator that's a, a whole house generator <laughs> and when you crank it up if you uh, make the error of walking in front of it you just about can't stop coughing yeah it's very caustic and, it, and like I wouldn't recommend that for work on yourself unless you really have a lot of time and you're very committed to doing the the research on it. Um, Again, that's kind of why I, you know, did autohemotherapy in a pill is because the idea is you can provide something in a way that you don't have to do that much heavy lifting anymore you just you know take that move on because there are better things that people can spend their time on i mean unless you really have a thing for you know insufflation have at it (laughs) but again not my bag so
0: another way i do still use it as a mom and i'm curious your take on this they make ozonated oils and they sell them almost as an alternative to like neosporin so it's like a topical thing for wounds to keep infection
1: yeah it's fantastic for that that's actually that's one of the the newer things that we're about to come out with at biocharged is a topical because if you, again the same thing yes just putting ozonated oils on is really great it doesn't have the same detriments that a lot of other topical agents have, but it needed improvement there there were things you could do to um, to amp up the performance because uh, regenerative medicine and, and wound healing has been something that I've been very curious and working on I was. You know, taking pig bladder and breaking it down in the lab to—we jokingly called it pixie dust—but it's to make an extracellular matrix, and and so you use that as kind of a when you put it in a wound, you can use it as a a scaffolding, a cellular scaffolding. And when it's on your tissues in a wound, your body senses it and starts to pump out stem cells and will actually fill in the matrix with your own stem cells. So all of that to say that, yeah, we've been working with that kind of stuff for a while. And I personally am a big fan of regenerative medicine. So when I started working with the ozone products, And we started looking at, you know, like where can we make a difference here? That was one of the big ones. Was well, as a topical agent, we can do some things that are just brilliant that haven't been done before, and that'll make a big dent. So, yeah, huge fan. And very shortly, uh, that's probably going to be the uh, the second thing that actually comes to market is our topical.
0: I'm excited for that. It seems like it would be really phenomenal for like wound healing and scarring and yeah, burns and And burns. Yeah, there's,
1: there's a whole lot of applications that people are already using it. It's just not what it could be you know and, and a lot of times that's what you find is you find you know because that tech has been around for a long time no one's just taken the the time to innovate it a bit and and bring it up to date because we really do we have you know tesla did that stuff in 1904 and aside from the fact that people have missed most of what was really beneficial about it they've been using the same stuff that he did just a lesser version of it for over 100 years and you know so now um Luckily, I have the benefit of having the resources, you know, to take things and run them through my lab and then the lab at a university I work with and, you know, do tests on people. And we can really see in a very short order, like, how do you make this stuff really spectacular to do something that people haven't been able to do with it before? Because it just is a base compound. It's great. It's all natural. You're using natural oils and a natural process. It's, you know, more reactive for viruses and bacteria than most other things are and it doesn't have the downsides you know natural products are aces in that regard <laughs> you know i mean if if you have something that you have to rattle off you know 15 chemical names before you in in describing that particular molecule it's generally not as good as if you can say you know like what are you having for lunch apples you know <laughs>
0: Yeah, from the food perspective, I say that a lot. Like, the fewer the ingredients, or eat food that is ingredients, not that has ingredients. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah,
1: that's exactly (laughs) it. Yeah, that's
0: a commonality amongst all of these different dietary trends. Eat real foods that are whole foods. Yeah,
1: and and we all know that, right? It's not like you have to market somebody, like, though now there is a lot of marketing for different types of, you know, foods and things, but like a banana, I mean you don't really have to market it that much other than maybe putting it at the front of the store. It's really kind of people just intrinsically know, oh, I need to eat that. That's good. You know, like I can't remember the last time I saw a commercial for lemons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's true. They don't need marketing. Um,
1: Brought to you by the American Broccoli Council.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is interesting. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I would love to talk about dosing. I I mentioned I just started taking this. Um, I'm I would love to hear a what you did. So what you personally did, because we can always share our own personal experience. Um, and as I figure out what I'm personally uh, going to do, fair
1: amount of mistakes is actually what I made. <laughs>
0: but also the other thing I was going to bring up here is that there is a trend. I think I see it more with guys, but that the idea that if some is good, more is better. And this seems like a substance you would not want to take that, that is approach early on.
1: One thousand percent the wrong approach. <laughs> and and I know because I talked to a friend asking for a friend. Um, yeah. So in this case, when I f- first started playing with everything, once I got the uh, the higher strength worked out and figured out how to do the signaling cascades, I took about 900 milligrams of it, which is less than fun because it is uh, you you notice it, you can feel it, you, you get a really intense gastric response, and you will be you will be uh, indisposed for for a bit. So really, the dosing. All you legitimately need is one capsule. And I recommend that people take it in the morning because it's best, in my experience, if you have kind of that pro-oxidative insult in the morning because then your body mobilizes. So for the rest of the day, you're kind of riding on that wave. And, you know, you, you amp it up, your body responds, it's naturally protected, you have more energy, and you can just use that to kind of coast through the day. So that's why I just take one capsule in the morning. And in terms of dosing recommendation, that's it. I just do one capsule a day, no more. And you know, some people say, "Oh, I don't, I don't feel anything if I just take the one capsule." That's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. If you're if your intestinal flora are reasonably balanced, you're not going to notice a huge die-off reaction. If you have candida or something like that, dial it back. Take one every other day or every three days. Um, and then again, you know, I would take it for. I mean, some people, if they're kind of borderline and they really don't have their diet in check, um, or they're trying to you know, elicit a specific response, like they have some goal in mind, uh, don't wait for it. Just, you know, jump in, but take take a few months and do that and then kind of back off and do it periodically and see. I mean, again, just know your body. I mean, we are, our, as you said, our own primary care provider, right? So yeah, just kind of sense it out. But really the, the recommendation, and we arrived at the size of 300 milligrams because after taking 900 that was a mistake taking 750 still a very bad mistake um, 500 not not really so bad but if somebody had candida difficult but at 300 you can have it and by the time you notice that you have the response you can just simply di- dial it back a bit and you'll you'll not have the same you know kind of issues that you would have so 300 is a really good safe number it's going to have an effect it's going to get a response but it's not going to be something where you know like Oh, I don't know, like saying taking a bunch of N A D where you you know, <laughs> as we've <laughs> we've both done, where you take a little too much and once the I V is dripping you go, Oh, I made a miscalculation, you know, and you're you know, like <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. And so, and if someone has, if they know they have an acute issue like candida or parasites, they could even go slower, like one every yeah. couple of days.
1: Yeah. One every couple of days. Just okay. dial it back. I mean, the idea is to provide the benefit with, without having somebody have a Herx reaction or something like that. Cause those I, having had them before, they're awful. You don't, you don't want to do that, you know? And it, in this way, again, the reason it's dialed back to like 300 mg is because it's a very mild dose you can take it and it's going to have an an effect in fact a lot of the things it's nice when when something actually goes out and the product hits the market and people start taking it because all these people you know call in they write in they email me uh they hit us up on instagram and they have all these comments about oh it did this or it did this and i've had this effect which is awesome because you you get a sense of what people are actually using it for which oftentimes is not necessarily like a lot of people you know they want to nix sugar cravings for weight loss that's like a common thing you know you see comments about it for me it, it was really just about overall gut health i wanted something that would you know basically replace me having to go to my doctor's office and pull blood and pump it back in doing an hemotherapy. and that worked like a champ
0: so interesting today's episode is brought to you by beekeepers naturals they're on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet and they're doing just that with their clean, natural remedies. They have a whole hive of products packed with immune-loving essentials so you can feel awesome all day, every day. One of the ones that I love, especially this time of year, is called Be Soothed. It helps you feel like yourself again if you get into any of the winter yuckies and it's powered by really potent natural ingredients like pure buckwheat honey, elderberry, chaga mushroom, bee propolis, and olive leaf extract. It's completely free of drugs, dyes, dirty chemicals and refined sugars. So you can feel great about taking it or giving it to your kids. And the best part is it tastes really good. So there's no fight with the kids and none of that nasty artificial cough syrup flavor we all grew up with. You can take it anytime you're feeling run down to soothe your throat and promote fast recovery or use it as a general immune support. When you're ready to upgrade, reset and jumpstart your resolutions, check out Beekeepers Naturals and discover all of their clean remedies that your family will love. You can save 15% on your first order by going to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash wellnessmama. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com slash wellnessmama to save 15%. This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. They are my go-to source for grass-fed probiotic-rich beef sticks and now some of my favorite supplements as well. I always keep their beef sticks on hand for my kids and for me for snacks. And now I make sure that we're never without their vitamin C complex as well. It's made with three of their most concentrated natural sources of vitamin C. Amla berry, kamu camu berry, and unripe acerola cherry. Each nutrient packed serving delivers 750% of your daily recommended intake of vitamin C from food sources. This amount is meant to help you thrive, not just survive with the recommended minimum. Most other vitamin C supplements are derived from GMO corn and only contain one fraction of the vitamin, ascorbic acid. Their essential C complex contains the entire spectrum of vitamin C with absolutely no synthetic vitamin C at all, just organic food-based superfoods. Check it out and check out all of their products. Save 15% on all of them by going to paleovalley.com slash mama. Again, that's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y. Dot com slash mama m a m a to save a fifteen percent. Explain what's going on in a Herx reaction for anybody who doesn't understand what's happening physiologically there.
1: So, so your liver and kidneys generally are the ones that kind of get the biggest insult uh, when you have a Herxheimer reaction. So it's a massive die off, and you you cause such a die-off of some sort of harmful in that case bacteria that you literally cannot process all of the cellular debris from those things coming out of your body and you will get chills and you know can vomit and you know feel really groggy almost like you know keto flu kind of a thing you you'll have flu-like symptoms for a couple of days and it's literally it's your kidney and liver not being able to process things out rapidly enough to keep up with the level of debris that is trying to be pushed through your system.
0: And so the answer, besides going slower and not doing that to yourself again, I would guess would be things like make sure you're well hydrated, make sure you're sleeping well, maybe sweating, things like that.
1: Yeah. And binders, 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 you know, take, take binders that are going to help get those things out of your system without allowing them to hit your system. Personally, I use Carbon 60 because it's you know it's a nanoscopic binder, um, and it's really great. Uh, activated charcoal is great. Bentonite clay is great. Um, there are a couple of companies um, that make really phenomenal binders. I mean, we can put some stuff in the show notes. And I'd recommend that anybody who thinks that they have some acute condition like that, just take it with binders. It doesn't impact the the uh, effectiveness of it at all i mean you're still going to get all the benefit from it it just it's kind of a safety net if there's you know something that you you sense is really amiss and just take it with some binders and call it good pop a couple of activated charcoal and you know do that maybe 30 minutes before you take the capsule and then pop the capsule
0: Okay. We'll put links to those in the show notes as well. So you guys listening, I'll, I'll circle back with you on some of these papers as well and some yeah. of the research. I'm always fascinated. Yeah. Too. And
1: we've got a bunch of it on the, the BioCharge website. It's biocharge.co. And just go there and you can link to the science and there's a litany of articles and it's all, you know, annotated well. And, you know, you can, you can see all the references and a lot of the studies. And there are quite literally thousands of them if you really go digging. And it, At some point, it's surprising, honestly, when you when you find something that's this beneficial that someone hasn't made a play to try and turn it into a drug and capitalize on it. But it's, you know, it's that's a molecule like this is, as you said, difficult to patent. So, you know, not so much a push for that.
0: Well, and I, as we get close to the end of the time, I want to do a teaser. We're not going to be able to go into these, which is perfect because we already know there's going to be at least two more episodes with you. I would love to, you've mentioned C60. Sure. So um, we'll, we're going to do a whole episode on that, but I wanted to be able to just touch on it briefly so we can put a link to that in the show notes as okay. well. And so people can start having a passing understanding.
1: Yeah. So carbon 60, uh, it's an allotropic form of carbon, which is the the fancy chemist way of saying it. it's a form of carbon atoms that are clustered in some different configuration. Anytime you have an atom and it has a a different configuration, but it's all just that atom, um, it's called an allotrope. So in this case, um, you've got diamonds, graphite, and fullerenes, So an amorphous carbon too. But in this case, it's a soccer ball. Literally, it's a truncated icosahedron. So it's 60 carbon atoms clustered together in a soccer ball. And it was discovered in 1985 and all the guys um, one of them is a friend and all the guys that discovered it uh, got a nobel prize for it because it's really impactful and a lot of people initially thought it was going to be something that wouldn't have biological application but as it turns out i think the most profound uh, implications of that molecule are actually biological because it's a tremendous detoxification agent antioxidant it's a buffer against EMFs, um, you know, it actually will buffer against doses of radiation better than you know um, iodine would. Um, it's also a chemo protectant. There's there's a litany of of things, and you know, I have multiple patents in the space, uh, and and quite a few more coming in the near future because th- there are a whole host of us that have been doing lots of research on it for you know quite a while. In my case, about a decade. Um, But it's really got some tremendous potential for people who are living in environments that are less than ideal. And, you know, if you lived in, you know, a perfect environment, say, a thousand years ago and you had clean air and clean water, you would not need it. You know, just do your thing. Uh, But now, since our environments are already damaged as soon as we roll into them, it's, it's just a bit of an edge because it's not only a detoxification a, agent. The thing that I think is most beneficial is it actually goes into your mitochondria and stays there and it can act as a buffer against uh, reactive oxygen species, which interestingly enough, a, a paper from some fellows I know at another company doing research just came out and they were pointing out kind of a counterpoint to that, that, that you know some of the research is showing that you don't see those responses all the time, but and, and that's true. You don't see it all the time, but typically you do see that, and it's uh, something that most people need. I mean, everybody's individually tooled, but I would say in 90% of the cases I've seen, having given carbon six to well over, I don't know, probably 10,000 people at this point, it's phenomenally beneficial. I would recommend it. It's it's the only supplement, even though I don't take it every day, I cycle it so I can keep up with what I was talking to earlier about the hormetic stress response. I cycle it so that my body doesn't downregulate its production of glutathione and SOD2. But it's still, it's fantastic. I don't like the way it tastes, which is something I'm rectifying currently, but I've still taken it with complete regularity for the past nine years just because it is, Biologically speaking, the most beneficial thing I can find, and I mean seriously, a 93% extension in lab animals—that kind of lit my socks up. And and I had actually done that because another group in France, uh, a doctor there, had done the same same sort of a study and found a 90% extension in life in lifespan. And I thought that can't possibly be right. But you know, I figured, well, what the heck? I'll I'll check it out. And so. After doing the test, sure enough, a ninety three percent extension, and I think a three percent variation in a study like that is enough that anybody should look at it. And when it's something like carbon, I mean we're we're carbon-based organisms. It's not detrimental in any way, shape or form, and it's you can't really say that it's inert because it has all these interesting properties that it conveys, you know because it buffers oxidative stress at the mitochondrial level, which has the net effect of making more energy production. So you're not actually making more energy but you're not losing as much while your body's trying to produce it so the net effect is you know you get a big bump and i think i think in the lab we we found an 18 at the low end percent increase and a 58.3 at the high end increase and that's that's a lot of energy you know if you can get 153 percent of your normal energy for the day woohoo, you can you can do a lot more well and your recovery time is better and just in terms of strength you know, and this is, I think, one area where a lot of people will probably find uh, interest in it is your, your strength will go up just by virtue of muscle recruitment you know, and skeletal muscle activation without any change in diet or anything else, just by modulation of you know, losing energy at a cellular level.
0: This is an experiment I'm just about to jump into. I'm very yeah. excited, so we'll have to do an episode after I have a little bit of experience. I think I wish I had it now because I just did an incredibly tough workout today, and so I'm already I'm already sore the same day. So it's going to be a fun recovery. But um...
1: yeah, and surprisingly, when you're doing real hardcore workouts, you will notice the effects because you won't. Uh, a lot of people worry that they won't get a hypertrophic effect where you're you're able to build muscle. You are able to build muscle. You just don't have the same degree of soreness because it nixes a lot of uh, a lot of the lactate buildup and things like that. So you're you're not going to feel the same <laughs> the same pains in the second day soreness that you would, in your recovery time because it amps up the cycle inside your cells. Your recovery time is better. So, but we can we can go into all that. But you're gonna have it. You're gonna know this firsthand because you're gonna do it and you know actually get the data f- for yourself.
0: Yeah. And I'm quantifying everything right now. So it will be fun to watch and fun to circle back and do a whole episode just going deep on that.
1: Well, it's interesting because people really do, they, they think the idea of like, oh, well you can take a substance and boost your strength by 10 to 15% with no changes in anything else. And it, it, sounds peculiar, but that's just, you know, when you modulate loss in a system, you know, it's like putting oil in a car. They You can run them without it, but they don't run so well or so long without it. You know, when you actually lubricate things properly and keep it from burning up, it functions more effectively. <laughs> yeah.
0: So another area I'm going to experiment, and I'm hoping you'll be my Sherpa in this too, is the idea of peptides and especially some really specific uses people are using them for now. We definitely don't have time to go into a whole lot, and there's so many areas to go into on this as well, but can you just kind of give us a teaser of what peptides are and why they're so fascinating?
1: So, yeah, uh, amino acid groupings in quantities of 50 or fewer is technically classed as a peptide as opposed to a protein. And so it's uh, a, a natural substance like, you know, alanine or something like that.
0: Or collagen, I believe, is a
1: peptide? Collagen's a protein, actually. A protein, okay. Yeah. I've so seen collagen peptides. collagen peptides. Okay. So, yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting. There there's some things that you can aggregate in larger and smaller clusters. And there's some people will call something by a couple of different names. But, yeah, technically speaking... We've been using them a lot in the laboratory setting because you can use things like one of the common ones people use is BPC-157, body protective compound, and it will cause remyelination of nerves and uh, drop inflammatory responses. A lot of people use it on, like I personally use it on my knees to repair uh, a knee where I had damage from playing soccer. And then there, there are other things like uh, vasointestinal peptides you know for your GI tract that will close the xylem junctions so you can fix leaky gut. then there's you know GHKCU which is a, a copper peptide that is phenomenal for skin because it actually it stimulates collagen and fibronectin repair and so you you know it'll firm your skin up and make it really pretty and supple and soft and elastic and in, anything that helps with you know elasticity in skin is generally speaking pretty good and also collagenesis you know something that will actually stimulate the production of collagen because a lot of times you actually you don't want to hit something head on what you're really trying to do is figure out the cofactors that actually trigger your body to stimulate production of your body's own whatever you know rather rather than you know inject something you trigger your body so it produces its own collagen because you know that's that's perfectly matched for your your physiology
0: Interesting. So we're going to have whole episodes on both of those, both um, C60 and peptides. So you guys stay tuned for those. As we get to the end of our time, another question I love to ask is if there's a book or a number of books that have had a profound impact on your life, and if so, what they are and why.
1: Ooh, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Stalking the Wild Pendulum is a great one by a fellow named Itzhak Bentov, (laughs) and it's it's a bit esoteric, but uh, I think it's it alters your perception about how things may go together and be pieced together. The Razor's Edge by W. Somerset Maugham, similarly about a fellow who, you know, kind of tries to put things in perspective in terms of his place in the universe. Um, I, I think those are great. And then most of the, most of the other things that have oddly been impactful for me are things that a lot of people would almost consider technical sorts of things. Uh, But the one that comes to mind is a book called uh, The Universal One by a fellow named Walter Russell, who primarily did his work at the turn of the last century and uh, into the earlier part of the 20th century. But he was truly brilliant. And uh, he wrote a, a book that has a lot of things that people, sadly, it was so advanced, people just didn't get it. You know, it was kind of like uh, Tesla's work with magnetic fields at the time. People saw it, but they just didn't understand what the the use was or what the necessity was to have that and how it could elicit a different type of, you know, efficacy in biological systems. L- likewise, um, the Universal One is, is brilliant because it's uh, a big tome on chemistry and physics and how things function. And I actually have been able to do a lot of things in a laboratory setting um because i'll get stuck based on you know using the current methodologies that we have and so to try and force myself to think out of the box i, I look at other sources of innovation and oftentimes i find myself coming back to that particular book because walter russell if you look up any he was the president of the american society of the arts and he was the presidential portrait painter you know he was the guy who actually did the sketches of the presidents back in the day and he was you know friends with all sorts of guys, Tom Watson, or, or um, who did IBM, the president of IBM, and let's see, Mark Twain. You know, all of his contemporaries were people who were really thinking. They were very deep, and they, they really had an inclination to kind of change the world and do great things, and did. And Walter Russell was a polymath. He worked as an architect. Um, he worked as a musician, as a painter, as a sculptor. And he wrote, you know, this huge tome on physics, which initially people rebuffed and said oh what are you doing uh this you're, you're an artist go back and do art and when they did the manhattan project they actually found all of the isotopic configurations exactly as he said and exactly where he said and so, <laughs> so suddenly wow. yeah suddenly a lot of people thought oh huh well will you, will you look at that you know and realize that there might be something to it and When I saw his periodic table of the elements, it was the first time I'd actually seen one as opposed to the standard one that everybody looks at, which is the Mendeleev periodic table, um, which is what is always taught. And I think it's because people don't even begin to conceptually understand what Russell put together. I looked at it and intuitively could feel that it it was right. And it's all about resonance and harmonics and balance and dynamic interchange of forces. And it's elegant Uh, in a word. It's elegant, which is kind of one of the things I always strive for is if someone comes to you with a problem, what you can generally hack through a solution, but what you really want is the elegant solution. You know, in the case of some of the projects I've worked on, like cancer therapeutics, um, I, I worked on a thing called an anti-angiogenic therapy you know, over a decade ago. And the entire time I was working on it, I thought, ah, this is the wrong approach. I could just intuitively feel it, but I didn't know what what was wrong. I just knew that something was. And so, and, you know, ultimately the project never really did much. And then a decade later, I worked on another project in oncology and and we came up with something that was really monumental. And it was because I was looking at things as what can I do here that's elegant And so in the end it was a, a three compound uh, macromolecule uh, configuration and and it was just it was very simple but nature is very elegant it's very simple you know it's had a lot of time to work out the kinks and smooth out the edges so yeah those those three books I think they're they're all a little different and kind of off the beaten path of them if if anybody were just, going to look preferentially at one i'd say look at the universal one and look up walter russell's uh, art and his sculpture his sculpture is amazing and if you ever get the chance look it up online and look up his sculpture of uh, thomas edison they were friends and he did that sculpture in one shot and it was the first sculpture he ever did he had never done sculpting prior to and which seems a little peculiar, but when you look at the sculpture, if you look at it from the, the, the frame of reference of this man had never done sculpting, <laughs> he was an artist, but he had never done sculpting, it will kind of put into very clear contrast or stark contrast how, how absolutely tapped in the guy was. Because you're, you don't produce things at that level of expertise without being very dialed in.
0: Those are all new recommendations. I love it. They'll be in the show notes as well. I've been fascinated with the brains of polymaths for at least a decade now. And I love I, this new recommendation. I can't wait to read it. Um, even just reading, I love Richard Feynman's work or reading oh, yeah. Da Vinci's original works, learning, I feel like, how to think because they give you a whole different perspective. And like you said, it translates into other areas of it your does. life, even if you're not doing that same thing. Um, I'm also, I know you have a 15 year old as well. I'm a big fan of giving kids things like that to read if they're willing, because I feel like they also already still have some of that innate creativity and questioning, and if you, when you let them kind of open that whole world at that age, it's fascinating.
1: You're homeschooling your kids, so that, in a lot of ways, I, I think is really great, uh, because it, it allows people to find their own passion and to delve into what the I mean, yeah, I know you have a program for them that they follow but also, you know, they're allowed to be creative as opposed to, you know, having their creativity squelched. Um, I, have you ever seen uh, Sir Ken Robinson's lecture on how schools kill creativity? Yes. On, yeah, that absolutely slays me, but it's it's a brilliant lecture and it's very much to the point. We Schools in their typical fashion uh, are not designed to allow kids to express their creativity in the ways that they naturally would or should or could. And yeah, I've very much all about giving kids th- the same sort of thing, so that they can keep keep doing what they do. My 15-year-old right now, I, I he's been playing with a, a 3D printer, and you know, there, I'm sure there are a lot of really you know technical things he could be doing. But right now, he's been making a Spider-Man mask with active eyes that open and close. And, and I'm all for that because I think it's fantastic that he's actually excited about something enough to show up at my lab and play with it and keep coming back. And, and all the things that he's learning through kind of the iterative process of trying to figure out how to make this thing that he has in his mind's eye, he's just trying desperately to manifest. And it actually looks pretty fantastic at this point, but he's learning all these skills, but he doesn't realize that it's this great school acquisition process. He's he just playing. wants the Spider Man mask.
0: Yeah. I think right now <laughs> ours are in stormtrooper mask and chess pieces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are are whatever being printed.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll show this stuff to you when we're offline and it's it's uh it's very cool.
0: That's awesome. Well, okay, I think we just added a fourth podcast on how to properly support the brains of our growing children in a way that helps them to keep maintain that creativity. I am
1: so down for that. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, I know that we could easily talk all night, and probably we will, but just not on the record. Yes. Um, but for this episode, thank you so much for your time and for sharing. Yeah, this was great. This so, was so much you. fun, and I'm so glad that we're now acquainted, and we'll have many more follow-up conversations soon.
1: Excellent happy to be here and i'm very much looking forward to coming back
0: awesome and thank you guys as always for listening for sharing your most valuable asset your time with both of us we're both very grateful that you did and i hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the wellness mama podcast if you're enjoying these interviews would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on itunes for me